I just want to introduce our guest speaker, Pastor Faith Yuri Choi is not a stranger to us. She has been here a number of times. Also, she's coming this December to do a women's conference with Rhoda in December as well. And she was a speaker at Grace Riches last year. She was here. She's here because yesterday and Friday we had a Grace Together rally right out in a parking lot. Amazing time God we had. And she was a speaker last night. She did she was, we were privileged, privileged to have her stay over the weekend to speak the God's word with us. I would have her come. Hello. Good afternoon. Yeah, I am uh, biding my time because I could see my toddlers inching their way to the front. <laughs> my husband, um, who was with me on this trip, we have a, we're in a church plant right now, um, and so he had to go back for Sunday service, so he's actually on his way back again right now on the road, so praise be to God. Um, may the Holy Spirit sustain him. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, yeah, my name is Faith Yuri Cho. I am a pastor. I am a mama. I am uh, the founder of the Honor Summit, which is a women's ministry. I do mission work. I just do a lot of things. I just love Jesus, and I'm very privileged and honored to be here. It's an honor to speak at this house. Um, it's, I know for some, it's just, oh, this is just your church. But I really believe that Hope Church has a very special place in God's narrative here in the East Coast, truly. And I don't really just say that to just any place. Um, every time I come, I always feel like this is a very special place of God. So it's a, truly an honor to be here. Um, I really feel, and I say this very humbly, um, or as humbly as I can, um, I really feel that the Holy Spirit wants to do something really special today. Um, like I said, I know it's just a Sunday service, um, and it's not because I'm here, but I asked God, what do you want to do today? And I just really felt the Lord just want to bless and really bring breakthrough to a lot of us. And I, and I see that, that hunger for breakthrough in this place. So, you know, I already know you guys get a lot of good teaching here. Um, so I'm not going to do as much teaching, but I just really felt the Lord lead me to just be very honest about the revelations that he's been teaching me in this season as well. And I, I'm going to be contending that there's going to be an impartation in this room, but also breakthrough. And we're going to just break through together. Amen? So can we just take a moment and, and acknowledge God in this place? And you know what? Even as I share, if God is doing something in you, even as I talk, you are free to just put my voice aside and just follow what God is doing and what God is saying. I thank you, Jesus, right now. We acknowledge you. We welcome you. God, I just pray for another level of anointing in this place. May you be magnified, glorified. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you awaken our senses in a deeper way right now. 
For those that have a hard time hearing you, open up their ears. For those that haven't felt you in a long time, I pray that you break down walls. Awaken our senses again in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood over our unbelief, our doubts, and our fears. Holy Spirit, may you just fill this room that there may be no room for lies and no room for any other spirit but you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's my little one over there. <laughs> they didn't, it's not because they're, uh, they don't like this. They just didn't sleep last night. They, they've been playing. It's been like sleepover uh, mode ever since we got here. So they are a little cranky. Amen. Um, the passage I'm going to be going over right now is Exodus chapter 33, starting from verse 15. One of my favorite passages, truly. Exodus chapter 33, starting from verse 15 to 17. And this is the word of God, and it says, If you are pleased with me, teach me your way, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Oh, and the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Um, I just want to go over a little bit of context here. Israel have spent, or the people, I mean, they weren't called Israel yet, but the Hebrew people, they have spent hundreds of years in slavery, oppression, imprisonment not being able to control what's going on and, and not being able to grow and, and flourish and, um, and not having freedom. I'm sure some of us, we may feel that right now, that we are in Egypt in some way, you know. But for hundreds of years, the Jewish people cried out to God for deliverance. And finally, it's happening the very thing that they've been crying out for, the very breakthrough that they wanted, it's happening right now. But this is the funny thing about humanity. As God is breaking them through, as God is answering their prayer, they are complaining the entire way. The entire way. In the midst of the miracle... They are complaining the entire way. I mean, they finally leave Egypt, but when they see the Red Sea, you know, I mean, if I were to go, it, it, it just constantly says, they go, why did we leave Egypt? Why, why did we leave Egypt? We were fine there. You know, and when they were, when they crossed the Red Sea, and when they found that they are hungry, why did we leave Egypt? We had food there. And then they had the food. The manna came from the sky. Now we want meat. We had so much of it in Egypt. Why did we even leave there? Then they want water. And they're just constantly 
grumbling. And finally, we get to this place in Exodus 33. It's actually really after this huge episode. I'm sure all of you know it. It's Moses went up to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments, and he just was taking way too long. And in that place of not knowing what's going on, in that place where they don't have any control over the outcome, in that period of mystery, they created an idol. You see, it's always when there's that span between promise made and promise fulfilled where mankind tends to fail. You know, when when we have to be faithful between glory to glory. When, you know, that you have that moment of testimony to the next moment of testimony, you know, there's always that in-between time. You know, even if God does a crazy miracle in this room, when you leave this room, you still got to pump the gas into your car. You still got to pay your bills. You still got to go home, you know, put your kid to a nap. I mean, there's still a lot of things that you have to do. But in between glory to glory, there's a, there's a span of time that oftentimes people start to create idols. You know, and in this moment, God was answering centuries worth of prayers. It's probably the most epic time, well, one of, in human history. And yet, it was filled with complaint. And a lot of those complaints were spurred on because of fear. Fear of the unknown. Do you know it is possible for you to be in the middle of a miracle and still be complaining the whole way through? It is possible for you to be walking on water and still be petrified and not excited. You know, people... Um, I mean, when I was in youth ministry, kids would say all the time, you know, if the Bible happenings would be happening today, then I'd believe in God. And to that, I say, I don't, I don't know about that. You know, I don't know, because God is still doing those things. But you as a human, because oftentimes we're so filled with the fear of the unknown and so inconvenienced by what God is doing, we miss the joy of the deliverance. You know what I'm saying? You know, I remember I was talking to my pastor once, and I was telling my pastor, Pastor, I am in a wilderness, and I, I'm just waiting for God to take me to that promised land. I'm in, I'm in, I was so, you know, dramatic. I'm in the wilderness. And he looked at me, and he said, that is wonderful. And I go, wow, you're, that's not the answer I wanted to hear. Give me something better, right? He said, no, that's wonderful. He said, how many miracles did you see in the promised land? But how many miracles did you see in the wilderness? Every day, bread just came from the sky. You know, water came from a rock. But during the whole time, they were grumbling, they were grieved, they were angry, they were upset. They were trying to uh, point fingers, blame Moses, blame Aaron. And that's what people do when mankind's agenda is dismantled. 
And that is exactly what is going on in this season. The church currently is walking through a wilderness where we are completely dismantled, inconvenienced, to say the least. And man, the people of the, of the church, we are scared. We are frustrated. We are angry without realizing that God is actually currently answering all our prayers. We are in the middle, in the midst of a great breakthrough of God. Everybody wants the victory, right? We all want the victory. But if you want victory, you have to be willing to wage war in faith. There is no victory without war. There is no, and it's, it's kind of like this. If you want more faith, you have to be willing to endure situations that require faith. If you want more hope, then you have to be okay being in hopeless situations. You will never know how much love you have unless you're faced with someone that you cannot love. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. You know? Especially if you are quarantined with people that are hard to love. You will never know how much love you have unless you are in those situations. But here we are in the, in the face of great victory. And yet we say, why did we leave Egypt? The Israelites dared to say they preferred slavery over the answered prayer. Some of you, God is wrestling you through to give you the exact answer to your every prayer. But some of us, we say, no, I'd rather have it as is. It's kind of like this, you know, um, churches call out to God for revival all the time, for fire all the time. But you know, countries, especially nations that are the most on fire, also have the most persecution. You know, there's, I forgot who said it, but it's a quote out there that's circulating around. Someone says, do you really think people want revival? Because revival is deeply inconvenient. Faith is deeply inconvenient, and so is hope. And so is love. So it's so funny because I really believe that, you know, the church, and I say church with the capital C, we've been contending for a lot of things in the spirit. Lord Jesus, revival, awaken our nation, cleanse our nation, do this and do that. I genuinely believe God is doing it right now. But it's so inconvenient. And it's really hard. And also it's, it's scary. But right now, in order to flow in the new wine, God is challenging us to take up a new wineskin. And that is a process. Like I said, everybody wants the victory. Everyone wants the testimony. Nobody wants the history before the testimony. Nobody wants the process and the battle before the victory. And that's exactly what's happening right now. They are going through a process And it's a beautiful process to the point where centuries 
For centuries later, people are studying the history of what's going on in this time. Because it's so beautiful because something is happening in the wilderness where God is turning a group of slaves into sons. He's turning a group of the oppressed and he's making them into a nation. That is, that's what's happening in the wilderness. That doesn't happen in the promised land. That happens in the wilderness. But what else is happening in the wilderness? They have to, one, let go of control. Yes, they were slaves, which is, yeah, not much control. But there was control in another way. They knew what to expect. They, they, they were used to oppression. It's in the same way. You know, um, you know the, uh, I mean, if you go into counseling or therapy or psychology, I mean, it's, not, it's a no-brainer. People that are, are used to toxic relationships usually can't stay away from toxic relationships. Usually people that have been abused usually can't stay away from abuse. They always find themselves in a, in a cycle of pain. And that same way, for those of you that are used to hopelessness, it's awkward to all of a sudden have hope. For those of you that are used to depression, all of a sudden it's kind of awkward to have joy to the point that we will sometimes run back into slavery if we could. And that's exactly what the Israelites kept on finding their tension they knew what to expect in Egypt. Why, why come out of Egypt? So they had to let go of control. Let go of the comfort of what they know. And let go of old habits and ways. It's usually in the mystery of not knowing what God is doing when the true things of our hearts come out. You know, I... Um, I mean, it's a grieving season. Let's just be honest. It's a grieving season. Um, and I think it's a grieving season for everybody, really. First responders, ministers, businessmen, entrepreneurs, you name it. It's a grieving season for everybody, for parents. I was with a couple um, church planters because, you know, my husband and I, we are currently church planting. And, man, the sob stories galore, you know? And But a lot of what was being shared was just, you know what? The people that we would never in a million years think would leave us, left us. People that we would never in a million years we thought would, you know, would think that they would cause trouble or division. Like all of that is coming out during this time. People that once looked so faithful don't look so faithful anymore now that they are dismantled. The wilderness is a holy dismantling of man's agenda. And it's God graciously, faithfully, lovingly tearing up our old wineskins so that we could carry new wine. It is deeply uncomfortable. It is deeply inconvenient. And it could be scary. But it is probably one of the holiest walks 
that you will ever go through. And that's what I've been feeling. There have been times in the last couple of months where I have been confessing to my God, uh, God, uh, just uh, take me now. <laughs> take, take me now. I got nothing left. <laughs> uh, just take me now. There is no, you know, um, my therapist, I actually did some therapy in the beginning because it was just too crazy. So I actually, li- I mean, I'm a thinker. So when I feel like my emotions are getting too much, I like immediately put myself into therapy, you know, pay people to listen to me and make it all about me. Right. Well, that's what I did. It, it, I, you know, I really enjoy it. Sidebar. Um, and so I've been, you know, I, I was so dramatic to my therapist. I was like, I have no song left. No sermon left. And she was like, that is so beautiful, Faith. I'm like, that, that is not what I want to hear. Fix me, you know. <laughs> but, you know, but that's how I genuinely felt. God, is, is, this, is this funny to you? God, is this just so, so many of the changes are just so crazy. Why? Okay, let's just be more specific because some of us, I'm sure, will relate. Years worth of planning down the drain. Come on. Years worth of savings down the drain. Right? Years of the things that you waited for for years down the drain. You know, my cousins graduated um, this year, this past year, no prom, no, you know, and I know that's not, that's like a very first world problem, but it's still painful. Things that you've been waiting for, things that you've been hoping for all down the drain, and it just feels so unfair. And you know what? Relational schisms have been so like rampant during this time because the way that people used to reconcile and get over conflict can't happen over Zoom can't happen through the screen so relationship fallouts divisions in the church people that you are just so used to leaning on falling out you know and it's just painful deeply painful and I remember thinking to the Lord God this is a little a little too much and then he reminded me of the Israelites in the wilderness he said if you could find courage by watching their journey, reading their journey, then find courage now. Because it's a holy season. It's a holy time. And I know it doesn't feel like it, but neither did they. You know, I, it's like, if manna just appeared right now, we'd be Instagramming it, Facebooking it, saving it, you know, right? But I mean, to them, it was a Tuesday, it was a Wednesday. Some of us, we don't know how holy our season is until after the fact. A lot of the songs come from this wilderness season. You know, but we, don't, we sometimes don't realize until after the fact. The marks of a wilderness time is discombobulation, discomfort and dissatisfaction. And it doesn't feel holy because, you know, we think of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? Joy, you know, self-control. So, I mean, that, that's, this is not like a hallmark moment for me as a pastor. I, I know more. It's just I'm up here thinking about Exodus. But, you know, basically to say, sometimes we feel like if we are upset that we're not in a holy season. Absolutely not. Some of the most painful seasons are the most holy season. Look at Gethsemane. 
Jesus wasn't like, oh, I have joy in my suffering right now. He said, Lord, if you can, take this cup away. Grief to the point of, of sweating blood. It's holy. It's beautiful. Your struggle right now is a beautiful thing. It is not a failure. Some of you may feel like it's a failure because you don't feel it. You don't feel the joy of the spirit. You don't feel God move. No, I'm pretty sure while the Israelites were walking through the desert, you know, we're, we're wondering when's our next meal. I don't know. When's it, you know, it's kind of like traveling with four kids. I've been traveling with four kids. What are we going to do now? I don't know. Breathe. You know, what are we going to do next? I don't, I don't know. What, what, when are we going to eat? What are we going to eat? I don't know. You know, that's usually what road trips are like with four kids. In that same way, in the desert, in the wilderness, the, you know, I'm sure the Israelites were not thinking, wow, this is just glorious. They were complaining. They were angry. And they were filled with bitterness and blame. If you are in any way tempted to blame someone in this season, I encourage you to not. My, that's just my encouragement. That's my practical sisterly encouragement. Right? This is not a great season to blame anyone for anything. You know, but that's the temptation. When we are discombobulated, when we are in discomfort, and we are dissatisfied. It's amazing. We could be right in the middle of a miracle and still be dissatisfied. You know? Funny thing, it's, you know, great example. So my family and I, we just moved to um, a new house because, you know, we are beginning this new journey of church planting. We are literally walking on water. Um, I, I, it's, I mean, I could go on about the miracle stories that God has been showing up, showing up for for us. Um, but it's been painful. It's like, it sounds so great on the pulpit. But in real life, it's so painful, right? Um, and it's so funny because we got this house. And that's a God story of its own. I look at the patio because we actually have a patio outside. And I said, man, it'd be really nice to have some nice furniture out here so that we could sit out here and, you know, drink tea and talk with the church members and play with our kids. But, you know, patio furniture is hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars. The next week, my friend calls me, Faith, what do you need? I literally joke. I said, well, I need furniture, but, you know, it's all good. Just, you know, it's like, I don't know, send me a meal, right, or something, you know. The next day, she sends us this huge Amazon gift card. I mean, it's a fat gift card. And she said, buy your patio furniture. So we bought it. I went, okay, amen, amen. You know, that's so great. The next day, I go, you know, Dave, you know, we have this beautiful patio furniture. We need a new grill. We had like an old one. It was like a Weber grill, which is not bad. But I just sort of, I just imagined it, you know, like being able to have cookouts with our new church members and just being able to like have a barbecue with the people on our block. And so I was like, Dave, we should get a new grill. And he was like, babe, I'd rather pay rent than pay for a grill. I go, okay. Then, like, a couple days later, someone calls him up or starts um, sending him pictures of girls. 
and said, what do you think about this? And my husband was like, what is this? Is this for you? And he said, no, this is for you. This is my housewarming gift for you. So we got a new grill, right? So uh, we get to a place. After a month of being at our new house, we're sitting in our backyard. We're just, we're poor church planting pastors. Like, what do we have? We're nothing, you know? We can't even pay rent, right? We're, we're, we have this new patio <laughs> furniture, brand new grill, and we're cooking up some meat. And my, I see my husband lying there. Man, do you think God favors us? <laughs> You know, because it's so funny because when you're in a situation where you really don't know how you're going to pay the next next bill or make it to the next thing or you have all these challenges, you know, especially COVID related challenges, it's so easy to feel like God has abandoned you. I'm like, man of God, just look at you. You are living in the suburbs of northern Jersey. You have a new grill and you're cooking up basically an entire pig in there, you know, and you're sitting on brand new patio furniture, of course God favors you. But in the wilderness, the temptation is to feel that God is not with you, that God is not by your side, and that he does not hear your prayers. Because all you could focus on is that one thing that you need, that one thing that strikes this compulsive, like, angst in you, and you can't see everything around that demonstrates that you have been living on manna and quail that's been coming towards your way, water from a rock, and following the pillar of fire and the cloud of smoke. Sometimes we do not realize because we're just so focused on that one thing, and I really think that is why it says in Psalm 100 verse 4, enter into his courts with thanksgiving. Because I really think it's, that's the key, that thanksgiving is the practical way where you could open up your eyes and see the fingerprints of God all over your life in a time when you may be feeling actually abandoned. Sometimes we're just so focused on that one thing, and it's easy to do that, especially during COVID, because you're in your house. You're just in f- the four walls of your home, and you're just looking at a screen, and you're not going anywhere, and you're not doing much, but yet do- you're doing a lot. It's very easy to just get in your head. My encouragement to you is fill your days with thanksgiving, not to force yourself into a spiritual discipline, but being willing to see all the ways God has been moving in your life. Do you think Israel, the Israelites would dare to blame Moses if for just 30 minutes they were able to just recount all the plagues that happened on their behalf? How God passed by every doorway that had the, the blood of lambs and took every firstborn of the Egyptians. How they were able to take the gold from the Egyptians as plunder. And they crossed the Red Sea. If they just took 30 minutes to think about that, do you think they would dare look at Moses and be like, why did you even bother? They would not. You know, just that 30 minutes of thanksgiving could change the way you walk through the wilderness. The point of the wilderness was actually not 
the promised land. And this is what Moses knew. And this is the point of today's passage. The point of the wilderness was to turn slaves into sons and to teach a group of people to be led completely by the presence of God, to abide in his presence. That was the point, which is why when God looked at Moses and was like, you know, I'm just, I can't with you guys. You guys go on ahead. Take the land flowing with milk and honey, but I am not going with you. Moses was like, nope. Think about it. If the purpose of your life is to be fruitful, then Moses would have walked. If the purpose of your life is to just be victorious, then Moses would have walked. But Moses knew at that point the purpose was not the promised land. The purpose was to be a son. And you can't be a son if you're not with your father. So when the father said, son, go, go to the promised land, Moses said that there's no point. What would make us different than any other nation here on this earth? The point is not a promised land. The point is you. The point is the presence of God. You know, when you look at the Bible, the Bible generally promises around three things that comes from the presence, and it's scattered all throughout the Bible. One, it promises fruit. Right? If you're in the presence, it promises fruit. John 15, 5. 5. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Or he'll do great things. Right? And it all, there's also other promises of provision. Matthew 6. That God will provide. Don't worry about what you will eat or you'll drink. God will provide. It also promises identity. All throughout the Old Testament, it says, you will be my people. But thing is, the twisted thing about humankind is we do it the opposite. We seek an identity before we seek his presence. We seek provision before we seek his presence. And we seek fruit, success, and victory before we seek his presence. I believe what God is challenging us to do in this season. He said, I know you have needs. I know you feel a little lost without your community. Therefore, you don't know who you are. I know you need a breakthrough, but in this moment, can you, can you seek my presence? Moses knew there is no point of going to the land of provision, the land of fruitfulness, if you are not with me. Don't send us without you. And I'm going to close with this. Um... So, funny story. <laughs> I, mean, I mentioned my house, right? So, before, uh, so my, my family and I, we were in a situation where we actually worked for a church for about 10 years, and the Lord called us to do a church plant. Now, every horror story you hear about church plants, it is true. It is that hard. I did not know. <laughs> I didn't know how hard it was. It's hard. It's really hard. You know, um, but anyways... Um, we were leaving our church, and we were living in a church parsonage, meaning it's a, it's a home that the church owns. Um, it, was a, it was a nice house, but we definitely had to move out. We had to move out by June, but then the lockdown happened in March. How in the world are you going to be house hunting during a quarantine, right? So that was hard, but the Lord... Um, 
called us to wait until end of May. Uh, that was really hard because we had to move out in June, you know. Um, and by the way, the, if the praise band could come up, that'd be great. So we could just transition into prayer. But yeah, I mean, I, uh, we had to move by June. But God told us to wait till end of May. I didn't realize May 30th caused Sunday. So that was really cool. It was hard, but the Lord, that's what the presence of God led us to do. So we waited till May 31st. June 1st, we start looking. I mean, amongst the many challenges, because there was still a quarantine situation, uh, it was just being shut down by realtors left and right. Because uh, one thing I forgot, because it's been so long since I rented, is in order to rent a home, you have to re- fill out an application that shows you're guaranteed a guarantee of income. <laughs> what am I going to say, God? <laughs> you know, because that's literally what it was. <laughs> you know, we don't get a regular paycheck. It's just, you know, we're just floating on giving. We're literally walking on water. So every time a realtor will look at this, he wouldn't even give us a chance. He would just stop responding. Oh, and it was so frustrating. Or we'd be looking through a house, and the realtor would ask, what do you do? We're like church planters. And he would literally, it's, it's done. It's over. We go, no one would even give us a chance. And all the while, every night, my children will be praying for our new home. Every, God, let it be big. Oh, God. Anything over uh, a rent of $400 is over budget. Right? So I'm just like, oh, big. Lord, let Luna, our dog, let Luna love it. Majority of the homes don't even allow dogs. So I was actually already considering getting rid of the dog. But these were their prayers. It's so, so funny. We need to learn how to pray like children pray. They should have prayed for a million dollars, though. Like, but, you know, they prayed for all these things. Lord, let there be light in our home. Let there be this. <laughs> Long story short, God answered all those prayers. But this is how. I mean, we were getting um, ignored, ghosted, and I'm starting to get really frustrated by June 5th. This is how much it marked me that I know the dates. Because June 1st, we start looking. June 5th, I'm panicking. We're fasting because I'm like, we got to get out of here. um, And I was getting really mad at God because, like I said, I am being discombobulated. I am dissatisfied. And I am, um, dis- I'm in discomfort, right? And we, my husband and I, we are on the ground. We put the kids to bed. We are on the ground of our office or room. We like got rid of one of the bedrooms. We made it into office for quarantine. And we pray, God, where is this house? It just literally just has to drop on our laps. Where is this house? And God said, you are praying the wrong prayer. And I said, what prayer am I supposed to pray? Oh, my goodness. And the Lord said, ask me for a vision. And he reminded me of Matthew 6, 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things shall be given unto you. Oh, my goodness. We were not feeling it, though. Literally, my prayer was, all right, God, so what's your vision? Like, that was, it wasn't Holy Spirit. Like, it was just, I was so over it. Wilderness, you know, wilderness attitude, right? I was, I was grumpy. I was frustrated. I was starting to be a little bit blaming of my husband. Like, this is because of you, you know? 
But the Lord said, seek first the kingdom. So I said, okay, God, what's your vision? Because actually up until this point, we've been actually foregoing the, our church's vision statement for a little bit because we were so busy looking for a house. And then God, he started to give me a little picture, give my husband a little picture, and we're starting to see the same picture. And, and then my husband started to weep in the spirit. You know it's the spirit if he's starting to weep, you know? And the presence of God was so thick in the room that actually all the fear of not having a home just kind of disappeared because we had a vision statement to create a fear and fearless space for all to know God. You know, and, I, and we knew, I, we saw the strategy. We saw the, you know, and I was like, by the end of it, we had so much for our church, but we had nothing for us. But that's the thing. That's God's problem, not my problem. Long story short, um, the next day, he saw a house. It was the one house he saw without me. He went without faith. No, I got it. <laughs> okay. And he comes home and he's like, oh, it's not good. It's not good. I'm like, what? The pictures look great. He goes, no, it's not good enough. It's not good. It's dark. It smells. It's just wrong. But the next day, June 7th, the realtor calls us back. We've been getting ghosted by realtors, ignored, shut down, rejected by realtors left and right. And this realtor calls us back and said, you sure you don't want to see this house again? And at that point, we were so desperate. I said, fine, let's just go see this terrible house that, you know, we roll in. It is the perfect home. Everything the children prayed for to the T. And you know what's so funny? This whole time, because we have four kids, I said, I need a five-bedroom house. Because we were in a three-bedroom house, and the kids were popping through the seams. They were, like, all over each other. And I'm like, we need a five-bedroom house. My husband was like, that's not how this works, babe. That's just, that's just you're not going to, we're not going to find a five-bedroom house. And I said, no, I need a five-bedroom house, you know? This is a five-bedroom house. But as a realtor was walking us around, he opened a sixth room. He said, we've been renovating. This is just an extra add-on room. So it's actually a six-bedroom house. And the reason why they were eager for uh, renters is because they've been renovating for three months. So you know how God told us to wait until end of May. They finished renovations on May 31st. Yeah. So everything is brand new inside. And we get to the clincher. The realtor is like, you like it? You know, you like it? I go, I love it. We don't have a guaranteed income. <laughs> As in, but he's like, but can you pay rent? We're like, yeah. I mean, we could pay rent. I mean, it, the parentheses in my head was because God will pay rent. But I'm like, well, we could pay rent. And he looked at us and he goes, you know what? I trust you. I'm going to take you at your word. So I saw the house. We signed the, signed the house and paid the down payment in two hours. Done. June 7th. I remember my husband and I, we were driving home. We were like, are we not homeless? 
And you know what's so funny? As we were signing it, we're like, oh, wait, we have a dog. And the, and the you know, realtor looked at us. And he goes, how big? Because he was actually rejecting other applicants that had dogs, but they were big dogs. We're like, he's just a small dog. And he goes, you know what? I'll let it pass. And so the dog, I mean, the kids prayed for the dog. We got to keep the dog, right? That's why I say the kids should have prayed for something, you know, like a million dollars, billion dollars, a large church building or something. Everything they prayed for, it was answered. And God did not have us settle at all. But it didn't happen while we were seeking a house. It happened while we were seeking his presence. Can we all rise? I feel the panic of some of you because you're going through something. And there's a lot of uncertainties. And it may not even be someone in this room. It could be someone through Zoom. I feel your uncertainty. My encouragement to you, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will do great things. It never says if a man strategizes well, he will do great things. If a man tries really, really hard, he will do great things. No, it says if a man abides in me, I in him. Your identity, your provision, your fruit. It's all just something that God takes care of as you walk with him. So right now, I invite you to just go there with the Lord. I welcome you to just go there with God. Holy Spirit, come and minister to your people. Seek first his kingdom. Go to him. If you have a song in your heart, let it rise. If you have a prayer in your gut, let it out. Whatever it is, even a question, even groans are prayers. That's what I've learned during this season of my life. Yeah. So you see Holy Spirit, I welcome you right now to touch every single one of us, to touch every child, every adult, every tired mother, every burdened father, every stressed student, 
every professional, every servant in this house. Jesus, I pray that you give us yourself. We give us, we give you our hearts. We ask that you give us yourself. Yeah, let's go ahead. Let's go into it. Break open the heavens, God. Download revelations, God. Healings, God. Baptisms, God. Anointings, God. Yes, she ought to see it. 